Welcome to the Three Vital V's. My name's Paul Davidson. And I am Scott Norman. And on this episode, we're going to venture into the third and final V, value. Saving the best for last. Well, actually, we kind of are. The V of value is V where student engagement comes into play because we're allowing students to express their thinking in the languages and mediums that they value. Wait, languages? Yes, languages. In fact, that is part of the value that we're going to examine in this episode. Okay, a little confused here. This is an English classroom, so now yes. we're going to be speaking in, like, Spanish and Swahili? Okay. If you want a more in-depth and thorough explanation about what I'm about to talk about, I would highly recommend checking out Lippy Green's English with an Accent. So it's going to be deep if you're recommending the book before the explanation to the question. But in a nutshell, here's what I mean by languages. Have you ever heard someone say something along the lines, why do we have to learn English when we already speak it? Yeah, I've heard lots of students say it. I've probably said it a few times myself. Well, in that sense, English is one language. Anyone that speaks it can communicate with another speaker and, for the most part, understand what is trying to be communicated. However, the ways that people say and use words can be different. Often you'll hear these differences being referred to colloquially as a dialect. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they go even further and they're this thing called a vernacular. These differences, big and small, is what we're referring to as different languages. Okay, so my brain that speaks in idioms and such things if we were to reference this and picture it in our minds then english is like this big old tree and every time that a new branch grows on that tree it is either a dialect or a vernacular that you're referring to here as a different language yes well technically it would be more along the lines of like english is the trunk of the tree uh -huh. the vernacular are like the main branches and the dialects are the smaller branches off of the vernacular Okay, so we live in the Missouri Boot Hill. We teach and live in the Missouri Boot Hill. <laughs> yes, we do. We live in a very interesting like linguistic spot because mm -hmm. vernacularly, we butt up against what is called the Midland dialect, the Southern dialect, and the Ozarkian dialect. So we're right at like a three corners post of that. Mm -hmm. On top of that, we have an increased community of Latinx individuals in Dunklin County, mm -hmm. and we teach in a school that has a sizable population of black students that speak... Uh, African-American vernacular English. So there's a lot of different vernaculars that are going on in just our tiny little community. So in my experience, when someone is speaking those things, uh, they were just considered to be breaking the language rules. Because I know in English class, whenever I tried to make dumb puns and stretch it into like starting to talk like this or whatever, then it was wrong. Aha, that is a misconception we have to clear up. When you refer to quote-unquote proper language, you're actually referring to a specific variation of English that is called Standard American English, or SAE. Okay, so SAE standard, are you talking like it's standardized, like a test, or...? Well, the reason why it was originally called SAE, because there's also a movement to kind of rename it to Edited American English, and we'll talk about that later. They refer to it as standard as, this is the measuring stick. This is the standard. This is the thing you have to live up to. Oh, well, so then it is saying that it's the right way to speak, because it has it's the standard. No, actually. Uh, You're confusing me. Standard American English simply is a variation of English that is spoken by the majority of upper to middle class white people. Lippy Green and other linguists consider this to be the language of power. Also, according to her and other linguists, there is nothing superior about that variation, standard American English, when compared to any other. In fact, it is more often than not more complex and less efficient when compared to other variations of English. 
However, since SAE is considered the language of power, its speakers are allowed to unjustly label other English variations, deviations as errors, which leads to the major problem it causes in public education, the communicative burden. I mean, I just have to say that as far as a language of power, I always thought all the smart people spoke British. And the best villains. That's actually standard British English, probably. Oh, SBE. SBE. So, sorry, I sidetracked us. (laughs) What is the communicative burden that you are referring to here? Like, you have to carry around your English books? (laughs) Once again, Lippy Green and a study she quotes from Clark and uh, Wilkes Gibb can provide you a much more detailed explanation about what I'm about to go into. But the short version is the communicative burden is who is responsible for trying to understand what is being said in a conversation. Ideally, the burden should fall on the listener to construct understanding and meaning. So the Mm -hmm. person that's listening is the person that needs to figure out what is being said. Uh However, often standard American English speakers will place the burden on non-SAE speakers for both the speaking role and the listening role. Okay, So so this is like when somebody comes up and they say something to someone else, and the person hearing them says, learn to speak right. Yes, exactly. Okay. And essentially, the SAA speakers will more often outright ignore non-SAA speakers or belittle them with comments that you said, mm-hmm. unless the information they're trying to communicate is done exclusively in SAE. Okay. This is people using it as a ruler to bop people with. Yep. Because that's like... They're using language as a weapon, not a tool. I see this all the time on discussions on the internet. Now, I will say that some of the people who are making comments have used such a broken English that no one knows what they're saying. But very often somebody will say a very well-reasoned argument and there will be like a misspelling in the middle. And the response of the person they're talking to is, well, learn English. Yep. They're using standard American (laughs) English, kind of, to prevent them from having to understand what is being said. Okay. Now, let's apply this to the public school classroom. Most teachers that teach in front of a classroom are fluent SAE speakers. And that's, I guess, because we went through colleges that required us to do that. Exactly. Yeah. That's a gate we chose to go through. Mm -hmm. And so that's an expectation that that particular gate has put on us. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to go to college if we didn't want to. But to become a teacher. But to become a teacher, we had to. And that's something we wanted to do. So we had to learn how to manage and navigate through that gate. Most of the students that we have, they're Mm -hmm. forced to go to public school. And so... We're trying to enforce a gate upon them whenever they didn't make that decision to try to go through that gate. So we're basically, it's like, you're choosing to be in this classroom. And it's like, no, I'm not. And it's like, well, well, you're here. So live by the rules. Yes. And so as I was saying, most teachers are fluent SAE speakers. And as a result, SAE is de facto the only acceptable language inside the classroom. Non-SAE speaking students may have an excellent and sound idea or argument they're trying to communicate, but they're being ignored because it is not done in the language of power, which is somewhat a foreign language to them. So, I mean, why don't we just get rid of it? Why do we need to have SAE at all? Why don't we just move on? We need to keep SAE. It still needs to be taught, but it does not need to be taught in a way that is the end-all be-all. Okay. In fact, if you embrace and not shun non-SAE dialects or languages, you actually open up avenues in which students can compare their home language, how they naturally speak, and how they grew up speaking, how their family speaks, and how their community speaks, and they Mm -hmm. can compare that to the standard version and actually come away with a firmer understanding of why the standard version follows that rule instead of saying, you're wrong and bad for speaking in the language that you have spoken in your entire life. Okay, so if we don't need to get rid of it, we're keeping it, 
then what is the benefit of bringing in all of these other varieties into the classroom and allowing them in if we're still going to be studying that main one? There's two of them. Okay. The first one is it helps students be able to produce better content. And then another added bonus is that their style of their writing will also be improved. Okay. I am a social studies teacher. How is allowing them to write in a way that requires me to do a little bit more work going to actually improve their content? Essentially, as some of my former students have said, they don't have to write in their white voice. And that by that, I mean they no longer have to concentrate on translating what they want to communicate into SAE. They can just say what they actually want to say onto the page more naturally. So they can focus solely on expressing their thoughts. Then once they're done jotting them down, they can go back and translate them if they really want to. But at the end of the day, they've already expressed what they really need to talk about. Something I'd like to just kind of like throw out there is that I know that we often talk about these things in terms of race because a lot of the literature refers to it that way. In Southeast Missouri, I know a lot of white students who don't use SAE at all. Oh, they no, use no. They, Southeast Missourian. They um, use Boot Hill Ease. Yeah. And, it's a, uh, Boot Hill Ease, how I explain it, because I had to take a language class, is essentially a Southern dialect that has a little bit more of a mumble to it mm -hmm. and has a little bit of Ozark creep in and a good blending of they take elements of aave african-american vernacular english and that have been incorporated into the boot hill ease yeah i always tried to explain to my students because i had a lot of students when i first started teaching in this area and now i've started kind of picking up oh you aspects. picked up a little bit of a twang um, i'm not yeah, gonna lie I, it's, it's there now that i didn't i never had before never imagined having but where students would be like where are you from and, and my response would usually be, well, I'm from all over the place. I'm a military brat. And so I don't really feel like I have an accent. And then whenever I try to... But you to, have a military brat accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so whenever I try to explain to students what the accent is like, I would use this fake voice trying to explain it to them. And I have caught myself so many times, now that I've taught in the boot heel for seven years, saying something just in real life and then going, holy cow, that was my fake accent seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially what we're doing is just trying to call for instead of us like using language as a weapon and demonizing it like actually explore have these conversations i know we've kind of gone off the rails of what we were trying to talk about with content mm -hmm. but this is a lot more interesting to talk about like the different ways that people use language and how different accents work than necessarily saying no you have to have this comma here yeah. you did not have proper subject verb agreement instead actually exploring those differences actually is more engaging instead mm -hmm. of of just being hit over the head with a bunch of rules and zoning out. Yeah, that kind of brings up like an example of I have several students who are amazing at debate. One kid pops up into my head specifically that he came in and we were having a debate about whether or not we should have dropped the bomb because yay, stereotypical classroom. And he just carried his side of the room. I don't remember if he was for or against using the bomb, but he absolutely carried his classmates. And they, were, they had their papers printed out sitting on their desk. And I was like, man, this guy's going to have an awesome essay because he is just carrying the debate. He turned in an essay. It was like a paragraph, and it was horrible. And I was like, what happened? I was like, you, you, that was amazing. Why isn't it on the paper? And he was just basically like, I don't know, it's, it's hard. 
Yeah, and that's because he's try he's thinking that he has to write in a particular essay voice, mm-hmm. which is foreign to him and a much more difficult thing to do. If we can remove that stigma and encourage them to actually write in their actual natural voice, what they would say out loud, just spill it onto the page, mm-hmm. they would have had pages upon pages of what they were trying to what they were saying in class yeah. instead of just the paragraph they submitted. And I have the problem all the time of students who actually do turn in a proper SOE paper. I never would have called it that before, but they, they turn it in and like, I can't fault them on the structure of the paper in any way, but it's somehow devoid of all content and meaning. It's very dry and boring, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, not only dry and boring, like it's literally like empty rules. All the words are in the right place, but it doesn't really have any meaning to it. And so if I could get them to follow what you're talking about, like really speaking under the page, it could also develop their own kind of personal voice or style. Yes, they would be able to, their style would be able to be seen in there. Often when we talk about style, it's about how an author can be uniquely themselves on a page. They are using words that they would actually use in a sentence cadence that seems natural to them. Mm -hmm. Often the professional authors that get lauded for their firm grasp upon style are simply letting their home language seep into SAE. And that's exactly what we will be doing if we allow and encourage our students to draft in their home language. Well, this whole conversation about variety and value has been very valuable to me. I'm excited. What is the next thing we speak about with value? On the next episode, we'll continue talking about value, but this time we'll be talking about 21st century mediums. This was a TDWG presentation.